0: Everyone says this, lift your eyes to the Lord from whence your help comes. God watches over you, he never sleeps, he never stops watching. Lift your eyes to the Lord from whence your help comes, God watches over you, he never sleeps, he never stops watching. Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent. It's the fourth week of a season in which we celebrate hope and expectation. It's a time when we reflect on our story, our grand story, and we give ourselves in focus to bigger truths. And we remind ourselves when we elevate our vision that there are truths that are bigger than the mundane realities that so often take up our days. So often our days are focused on bank statements, and job stress. And during the season of Advent, we are invited to elevate our vision. It's about realizing that divinity intersects humanity. It's about realizing that that which is beyond penetrates into the lives of everyday existence. Advent is about our souls reconnecting to mystery... Because most of us in our lives tend to shun mystery to the periphery of life. We tend to put it out and we actually stay away from and avoid mystery. And Advent is a time to come and reinstitute that back into our days. It's a time when we ask bigger questions than we would ask every day. When we seek bigger answers than we would seek every day. Advent is a time to lift our eyes, to elevate our vision. We ask questions like, where did I come from? Where did I come from? Did I come from atoms and a big bang and carbon and hydrogen? Did I come from amniotic fluid? Did I come from DNA? Did I come from my family of origin along with all of the baggage that is associated with that? Did I come from my education? Did I come from my work ethic? Did I come from my preparation for life that has brought me this far? And yes, all of those are true. But Advent reminds us to look beyond that which is so tangible and practical to that which is mysterious to first think on these kinds of things, but second, to think broadly and deeply and with an eye to mystery. Because Advent reminds us that we are more than our family of origin and amniotic fluid and education, that we come from the very breath of God, that we come from the very seed of love, That we originate in the desire for communion, that our beings come out of a hope for an ultimacy about harmony, that we come from love, that we come from our God. And Advent reminds us to go back and think these more broad, deep thoughts that are answers to the question, where do I come from? And what happens is, when we think more broadly, when we reflect on the mystery of life, it begins to affect how we see ourselves, because if all I am is these pragmatic, practical realities, and I am nothing of the mystery of the grand magic that is part of that which is bigger and beyond, then I live a very mundane reality. But we said last week that reality is affected by the vantage point from which we see it. And if we begin to see through the lens of this great story, if we look beyond the downcast eye kinds of answers to the questions, we begin to think differently, we begin to perceive differently, our vantage point is changed, and we begin to live differently. And Advent has been a season for the last several, many hundred years for people to come and reflect more broadly and more deeply. And so we ask the question, where do I come from? But we also ask the question, where am I going? I'm going to work tomorrow. Am I going to be married someday? Am I going to have that debt finally paid off? Am I going to have that empty nest when the kids finally move on? Am I going to retire comfortably? Am I going to attain some goal that I've set for myself? And the answer to each of these also is yes. That's part of where we're going But Advent, again, reminds us that we're going somewhere so much deeper and broader. We're going to a mystical feast one day. We're going to a place, to a reality where tears are wiped away. We're going to a time, a place, a reality, a dimension in which we no longer see through a dark clouded glass but we are able to see ultimate truth we are able to see ultimate being and we're able to see it clearly to be seen by and to see and to be with that which is the very center of reality our God we're headed for mystical union with ultimacy this is where we're going We don't spend a lot of time thinking about that in our day-to-day lives, in the world of checkbooks and kid-raising. And so Advent comes each year and reminds us to elevate our vision and to see this bigger story. It reminds us to live lives of remembrance, of truths that so often are dismissed. Things like, where do you come from? Things like, where are you going? We're reminded reminded during Advent that the ultimate intersects the mundane, that splendor invades the great normalcy of our lives, and it happened at a manger, and we're reminded of that, and it happens during a credit crisis in our day-to-day existence. Advent reminds us that lost hope is restored. Advent reminds us that broken souls are healed and that destroyed possibilities are refurbished, look up, for your redemption is nigh. Look up to the place from whence your help comes. Look up and see something bigger than the day-to-day existence of the downcast eye. So every year, Advent reminds us of these realities. However, every year, few are those drain the cup of this great blessing. As a matter of fact, few are those who even sip at the cup of this great blessing, because distractions usually keep us from the divine gift of lifting our eyes, because distractions often keep us from remembering the big truths. Distractions often keep us from savoring and sitting within the truth of our great story. Instead, we go shopping. Instead, we stress over family troubles, and instead, we worry over financial anxieties. Instead, we run through never-ending to-do lists. And often, the gift that God would give us of remembrance, the gift that God would give us of an elevated vision, that gift goes unopened. When we lived in California, we lived uh, two blocks off of Sherman Way. And the interesting thing about Sherman Way, which cut its way all the way through the valley, was that it was the um, marker that those airplanes who were coming into Burbank used to find their way straight to the runway. So when they were landing, they would mark their way by coming down Sherman Way. Actually, not exactly Sherman Way, they would mark their way by coming two blocks over from Sherman Way. <laughs> So we would sit in our backyard and the planes would go right over the top of us at about 500 feet. And of course, planes make noise. But you know, after a while, we stopped noticing it. After a while, we didn't hear it, with the exception of the military prop planes. When they came through, boom, 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 and they would shake the house and it would feel like everything was going to fall off the wall. But that was only once or twice a month. But for the most part, we didn't even hear the planes that were roaring over the top of our heads until we would go to the north end of the valley and walk up into the hills where was, there was a hushed stillness and quietness, and then we would recognize the noise that we lived with every day, which was why Denise looked very carefully in all of Raleigh where planes do not go. <laughs> so when we would go to the hills up in the north end of the valley... The quiet would allow us to recognize the reality around us. There it is. I, I can hear it. <laughs> and that's the way it is. Without intentionality, we will miss the gift of Advent because quiet allows us to see. How soul noise invades us. We are all living with the noise of expectations of the holidays. We all live with the noise that self-dependence creates for us of what we are the life we are to create for ourselves. We all live with a culturally imposed value system that tells you this is what you must do during the holidays. With a family imposed set of behaviors, this is what must happen for these days leading up to this time. And there is the noise of the rat race, the noise of the shoulds, and the noise of the oughts, and the noise of the. Supposed to, And after a while, we don't even recognize it anymore. But because we don't recognize it and because we live with it, we miss out on savoring our story. And so, I stood up last week and I said, here's a good idea. Why don't you take out a pen and write yourself a note. Remind yourself to do something this Advent season to savor goodness. Remind yourself to look for that which reorients you to truth. Advent is a time when we try the key to our heart's door. And we may find that over the year it has gathered rust. And consequently, it is a time for us to oil that lock so that when God-truth knocks, our hearts are readily opened to it. And so I invited you to some simple exercises during these days. Something like making a list of all that is good and savoring that list. I invited you perhaps to write a letter to someone who has been good to you and exemplified goodness to you. I invited you to sit by the window, to spend some time, I suggested half a day, where you didn't speak, but you simply observed and you noted all that was good. Around you to set aside a reminder. Now, I'm sure that everybody here did it, and I probably don't even have to say this, but in case one, perhaps two of the remedial students among us didn't do it, (laughs) then I would like to remind you Advent's not over. There are yet two days, a day and a half. You still have some time. And here's some suggestions. Maybe you could block out some time and write on a piece of paper those things that you want to commend to God. Perhaps it would be things that you would like to see redeemed in your world. Perhaps it would be things that you would like to be elevated in your vision to see. And then what you would do is pin them to that Duraflame log that you would buy and that you would put it into your fireplace and that you would burn it and you would give yourself the amount of time that it takes to burn a log without the television and without the radio and just have some quietness and some space. Perhaps you would have a quiet meal with a friend and the conversation would tend toward ultimacy where you would talk with one another about our story and you would imagine together the outcome of where we're going, that you would imagine what it is to take your place in a reality that has magic around every corner. Or perhaps you would spend some time reflecting upon what kind of coworker you are or what kind of spouse you are or friend you are. And as you would commend those things to God, you would ask for a dimension of Advent, the coming of the Spirit of God to bubble up from within you in a fresh way. Now, <clears throat> If you didn't get to a savor goodness kind of exercise in these last week, and you probably won't be able to do it given that tomorrow is Christmas Eve, I want to highlight this as well. Advent is an artificial construct. Somebody made it up and put it on the calendar. But what happens during that time can often happen a little easier once we get past the 25th. Because between now and the 25th, I know that my son is scrambling around learning the art of last minute shopping, saying, Oh my gosh, I got people I got to buy presents for. So if that's you and you've got to do that, there is a week coming after Christmas that sometimes slows down for some people. And perhaps you would want to spend that time then. But I encourage you to lift your eyes, to see beyond the mundane, to see beyond troubles, to see beyond limits, to see beyond that which is trivial. Lift your eyes. So, Winnie the Pooh and Piglet are walking through the Hundred Acre Woods. And it's a very windy day. And if you happen to have read these books to your children, you remember the pictures of Piglet's ears flapping behind him like banners, (laughs) because it's a very windy day. And he fights his way against the headwinds as Pooh and he walk together. And being a rather small and anxious sort of animal, Piglet turns to Pooh and asks him nervously, supposing that a tree were to fall down, Pooh, when we were right underneath it. (laughs) And Pooh, the words say in the text, after careful thought and being a somewhat wiser and less anxious animal, replied, suppose it doesn't. And therein is the profound wisdom of Winnie the Pooh and the message of Advent. (laughs) Suppose it doesn't. We can spend our lives in concern over the potential that a tree will fall on us while we're underneath it. Or we can lift our eyes and we can see beyond that which so typically and so frequently consumes us. We can lift our, our eyes to those lesser, th- beyond those lesser things because we can recognize that in our story we are more than a body that can be crushed under a tree. Yes, our bodies can be crushed, but we are more than that body. And we can lift our eyes and see that we are more than a worker who is struggling at his or at her work. Yes, we are workers, and yes, we struggle at work, but we are more than that. And we can lift our eyes to see that we are more than a parent who is worried for a child. Yes, we are parents, and yes, as such, we worry about our children, but we are more than that. We are more than lonely. We are more than fearful. And we can lift our eyes to something that is bigger, something that is truer. Lift your eyes, the psalmist says. Lift your eyes to the Lord from whence comes your help because God watches over you, never sleeps, never stops washing, and recognize that you are safe in this universe. Your body may be destroyed. There is no guarantee that it won't be tomorrow, but you are more than your body. Your riches may evaporate tomorrow, but you are more than your riches the realest essence of you is now at this moment and will always be safe. So lift your eyes and see that. Lift your eyes and see beyond that which is trivial that so often consumes us. An interesting thing that happens, which is why those who have gone before us asked us to spend this time each year lifting our eyes, when we do that, these exercises in giving ourselves a preferable vantage point, we begin to change inside. We find ourselves able to stop living the stressed existence of going and going and going and going over things that in the end are not ultimacy. We begin to live at an elevated existence when we lift our vision. We lift our eyes and our souls begin to follow. You can rise to a life of nobility. You can live at a dimension beyond that which mulls over and concerns over the trivial. And when you do, you find your place in a grand narrative that is part of our story. When you do, you see that God is always coursing through history like a mighty river bringing about redemption and restoration, and you can, when you elevate your vision, jump into that river and go with it. You can, when you raise your eyes, find yourself able to dismiss those lesser things and live at a more elevated plane. Once Jesus told his followers to lift their eyes, and he did it in the context of lifting your eyes to see that there are people out there, people who are like sheep that have no shepherd, people who are waiting like a harvest to be brought home, people who need to be gathered in, tended for, cared for, and loved. Lift your eyes, Jesus said, and see them. Lift your eyes, Jesus said, and love them. Lift your eyes, Jesus said, and give yourselves to them. Because when you do live at this elevated plane that comes from an elevated vision, you find that there is fulfillment resident in living selflessly. You begin to see that one of the deepest fulfillments that a human being can ever experience is giving oneself in service to other people. You begin to see that there is a life that is bigger than your own concerns, and you can, with this elevated vision, get caught up in this grand narrative, be swept into this river of the story of redemption that is God's story. You can find your place in saving the earth, and you can find your place fixing that which is broken around us. I was meeting with Bob and Ann this week and Ann was telling me about a dream that she had had in which the words "Tikkum Olam" figured prominently. And I had to go to Wikipedia to look those up and find out what it means. The words are an ancient Hebrew phrase that means repair the world and they're a part of Jewish liturgy. When we lift our eyes we see this rushing course that is the river of God's purpose like a river moving forward and we see our own place in it, we find a place characterized by that phrase, "tikkum olam, a place of repairing the world. We realize when we have elevated our eyes and consequently live at an elevated plane that there is a responsibility that, that is upon us to care for the welfare of the world around us. There is a responsibility when we go into the workplace and there is conflict that it is to us to bring peace. We recognize that when there is failure in shame in the hearts of our neighbors, in the hearts of our friends, in the hearts of our family members, that it is to us to come in and be the bearers of forgiveness that mitigate that shame, that undo that failure is for us when we see those who have been wounded around us to step in with a healing balm and bring about the restoration. Because with an elevated vision, we live at an elevated plane, and when we do that, selfishness gets challenged in our own souls first, and then we become agents of going out into the earth and seeing it challenged around us. When we lift our eyes and have an elevated vision and then we begin to live at an elevated plane, we begin to challenge materialism that so characterizes the world around us. First we challenge it within ourselves and then we challenge it in the world around us and we help this world see that there is more than just this tangible, practical reality that consumes us and offers us so little in return. When we have an elevated vision and then we live in an elevated plane, we stop working for more money or more power, and we start working toward a repaired world. We start working toward a world that is characterized by kindness. We start working toward a world that is characterized by nonviolence. We start working toward a world that is characterized by thankfulness, that is salted with humility. This is the river of God's life that is flowing in us and flowing on the earth. And when we lift our eyes, we are invited to jump in and go with the flow of this mighty river. So it starts with simple, simple little exercises. Tell your mind what to think. Get a Duraflame log, write some thoughts, pen it on, burn it, and spend the time watching it. Write a letter. Make a list that savors goodness. Do something that elevates your vision beyond the mundane and beyond the immediate. Think about the story of which you are a part. Think about the story that began before the beginning of time. That was marked in the first advent in a manger. That will be marked in the second advent when your God comes for you when you breathe your last that is marked by the mysterious feast of love and joy in the culmination of time. See the story. Find your place in the story. Set your sight on a higher plane and live within that story. So, Lord, as we prayed earlier, I pray, Lord, open the eyes of our hearts. Elevate our eyes to see. May we see the story more clearly, and may we find our place in it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, please prepare your tithes and your offerings.